You are Locked On Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review. You can email us with any basketball questions or advertising inquiries at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook at LockedOnBulls. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. And, Cody, we've got a trade. We've got actual hard Bulls news. Michael Carter-Williams of the Milwaukee Bucks, seemingly, likely, reportedly on his way to the Bulls, in exchange for Bulls wing Tony Snell, a swap reported first by ESPN, confirmed Mark. by multiple other outlets. It appears two teams are swip- switching and flipping players who have been disappointing for each, Sean. It's kind of funny because the Bulls were in Milwaukee tonight to play the Bucks, and basically none of the Bulls uh, wrote, like, top rotation players, Jimmy Butler, Rajon Rondo, Taj Gibson, Dwayne Wade, none of those guys played in the game. They still won by 20, but it was a game that not a lot of people really put a lot of thought into. I really want to know the genesis of this trade. Did Gar Foreman just like run into John Hammond in the hallways at the Bradley Center and just say, hey, we don't think Tony Snell is good and you guys don't think MCW is good. You want to trade? Maybe it happened in that cafeteria in Milwaukee, kind of the press room that serves as a dining room mm-hmm. as well, because every time I've been to Milwaukee, Gar Foreman just sits in there for like way, way longer than he does when he's in Chicago around the media and just kind of kicks it in there and eats and hangs out with people, so, you know, maybe he was just getting some ice cream or something after having dinner, and they started talking and, and figured this one out, but it seems to me like, my, my first reaction was, I mean, I pretty much just laughed, because the Bulls went into the season with no shooting whatsoever, and they have managed some way, somehow in a trade, acquiring a backcourt player to get worse at shooting, theoretically. Practically speaking, I don't think Tony Snell was ever going to play enough to matter one iota of difference in their shooting. I don't think Michael Carter-Williams is going to play a lot for them, assuming this trade goes through, which Casey Johnson, the Tribune reported, should be finalized on Monday, which leads me to wonder if they're taking a day of rest Sunday or there's that really that many particulars to work out. I guess the league office well, probably then- doesn't respond to Tony Snell, Michael Carter-Williams, trade requests on Sundays, they're probably like, nah, we're good. We're going to go watch Red Zone in the MLB playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so they're just like, yeah, you guys you guys can figure this out over the weekend. We'll, we'll deal with it Monday morning when we open the offices. I did get an email from Bulls PR that they're not going to practice tomorrow, so the first time we're going to have a chance to talk to anybody about this is going to be Monday at shoot-around because they play the Hornets uh, in Chicago that evening. So the Bulls have 36 hours or so to get their talking points about Michael Carter-Williams in line. Yeah, exactly. They've got, they got time, though. Uh, I've, so I'm just, just for a little bit of background, like the timing of this trade is pretty hilarious because they dropped this at the exact time that the least amount of people in Chicago were going to care about it. Cody, you were, we were going to record tonight anyway, and you were over at my place watching the Cubs game, and then we had the uh, Bulls preseason game on the side TV just sort of to like halfway pay attention to it. We were going to maybe like BS some stuff about uh, how Paul Zipser maybe looked. But then, you know, it, it was it in the, like, the eighth inning or the top of the ninth of the Cubs game. Uh, the Mark Stein tweet dropped on the tweet deck about uh, this trade happening, and we are just like, oh, we've actually got something to talk about now. It's It's... 
This is a little I mean, behind the scenes uh, production work from uh, production yeah, from uh, our hijack studio. Glimpse from you got glimpse for you guys from the podcast recording. Uh, yeah, process. it was an incredible news dump. I mean, it's like the Jerry Reinsdorf organizational mo though. Like, there's several times where the White Sox have just had the the tiniest bits of news go out, like right when the Cubs or someone else in town are, are like making a big deal, and it gets lost, and it doesn't matter. Um, and again, I think this is probably fitting because of this trade doesn't matter. I do not think the Bulls' win-loss record is affected by a single game by this trade, unless Michael Carter-Williams decides that he truly is going to be a gunner and start shooting and shoot him out of some wins. That's the only way it affects anything. I don't see that happening. He can't shoot. He's a 25.5% career three-point shooter. Tony Snell, for what it's worth, uh, was around 36%. We know he's a wing. Carter-Williams figures into these backup point guard minutes role, it would seem, which is interesting because we know Jaron Grant wasn't making much out of his opportunity in the preseason. Spencer Dinwiddie appeared to be kind of number two on that list, partly by default, because Denzel Valentine got hurt and that put his backup minutes a little uh, out of the way as far as progress on those. Uh, Isaiah Cannon can kind of play point, but is more just a guy in the backcourt who shoots and dribbles more than a point guard, it seems like. So what do you make of Carter Williams' opportunity in Chicago, Sean? Well, Fred's only got two more preseason games to actually get this stuff figured out because he told us uh, yesterday before the shoot-around of the Bulls-Cavs game that he's pretty optimistic that Denzel is actually going to be able to play on Monday. And so he looked, before the first preseason game, before he got injured, he looked like he was probably the most solid option running the point in, in you know, the backup spot behind Rondo. So... I mean, I would imagine Fred's going to want to get him out there as much as his ankle will allow to see what he looks like. And he'll want to get Carter Williams in there just to say, okay, we want to just see what we've got in this guy. Uh, I honestly think this is a fine trade for the Bulls because Carter Williams probably isn't good. We don't know for sure that he isn't good. Like, he did win Rookie of the Year a couple years ago, putting up numbers on that terrible Sixers team. Like, he is a good defender. All his advanced metrics check out pretty well defensively on Synergy. He's rated as an excellent pick-and-roll defender. He's 12th among point guards in ESPN's defensive RPM metric. He's, you know, he he has skills on that end. It's the offense that's kind of uh, a huge question mark, obviously, with the terrible shooting, and he's not really great at anything else on that end. But we know for a fact that Tony Snell is not good and that Tony Snell is not going to be any kind of a factor in the rotation on the wing unless several players get injured. So there's really, and they're both guys who are in the final years of their rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Tony Snell, you would imagine they weren't even going to give a qualifying offer next summer to make him a restricted free agent. Carter Williams, you know, they have flexibility there. If they if he plays well, then they can keep him and match any offer that he gets on the open market. If they don't like him in this year, they can just let him go and they didn't give up anything long-term. I, we, I guess we don't know what picks were involved, but like I can't imagine. I, 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 if it's a one-to-one swap, I think it's fine for the Bulls. Yeah, and a little bit of background on Michael Carter-Williams. He went, I believe, 11th overall in the 2013 mm-hmm. draft to the 76ers who were tanking and kind of thought he was the best available player at that slot, I think was probably their process, because they did have some big men, I believe, in the picture kind of pipeline then with Noel Nerland's Noel already. That was the same at, that was the same that, that was the same draft where they where they did the Nerland's Noel uh, yeah. Drew Holiday trade with the Pelicans. Yeah, so uh, disappointed in Philly after that rookie of the year season that was kind of stat heavy, 
but otherwise empty by way of high production and wins and losses and making everyone better. Uh, went to the Bucks in that three-team trade that ended up sending Brandon Knight to the Suns in February 2015. He had, he's been injury-plagued a little bit. I know he had a hip problem last year. He had hip surgery in um, March. That's kind of problematic. So that's just the background on him. And I, I have actually a funny Michael Carter-Williams story related to that rookie that? year in Philadelphia. So I'm not much of a fantasy player, but the one fantasy league that I am in is this is this thing called Whack Fantasy, which is where uh, yeah, you gotta explain this. Yes, no, this is no, it's a great concept that I think should be more widespread. But basically, it's sort of like if you remember the bad quarterback league that Grantland used to do. Uh, it's sort of a, a similar concept where you draft players like in a normal fantasy league, and you get points for turnovers, fouls, missed shots, technicals, and ejections, and you lose points for points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. But one of, <laughs> but one of the one of the, the the caveat is that you have to draft guys. Like one of the one of the categories you get points for is minutes played. So you have okay. to draft guys who are actually rotation players and are terrible. So. Like, just for example, in Oklahoma City, when he was playing, like, 30 minutes a game under Scott Brooks, Kendrick Perkins was, like, the LeBron of this league because he would just go in and miss shots and foul a bunch of people. And so, that year, I drafted Michael Carter-Williams in the first round of my WAC Fantasy draft, and my rationale was, he's going to play a ton because he's on this terrible Sixers team, he's going to miss a lot of shots, he's going to turn the ball over a ton, like, I figured it was a pretty solid WAC Fantasy pickup. Their first game of the season was the game where the Sixers beat Miami and he like locks down LeBron and almost has a quadruple double with nine steals. I had to drop him that day. You dropped him on day one. I had to. I had to. He almost put up a quadruple double against the Heat. Well, in this sense, it sounds like Tony Snell would have been a very good player for that league, too. He's been good. He had a a way with the Bulls of playing 15 minutes a game and not recording much in the box score. Kirk Heinrich the last year under Thibodeau was an excellent whack fantasy player. I I certainly (laughs) believe that. We should point out, though... Uh, the Bulls' hope in this trade, or what Michael Carter-Williams can bring them, besides just backup point guard minutes, is they have been uh, you know, expressing their hope to get more athletic. That was a goal of theirs in the offseason. And he's got that. He is a very good athlete. He's got long arms. He's got some good defensive instincts. And the Bulls can't defend anybody as of, as of yeah. the preseason so far, so he actually will help them on that. End. Yeah, the Bulls allowed a lot of points to the Bucks in... The first quarter of their preseason win, we should point out, on this Saturday night. The Bulls did beat the Bucks 107-86 in a game we probably won't spend another second talking about, but they did get above 500 in the preseason. Uh, but we know defensive problems looking at the big picture here. Uh, that is probably the Bulls' biggest concern. Because for as much as we kind of laugh at their lack of three-point shooting and then their response is that, do you know how many points Dwayne Wade scored in his career? And did you know Jimmy Butler scored 20.9 Points per game last year. Well, Dwayne Wade's a knockdown three-point shooter now, according to his 5-for-8 record in the preseason. For as much as they point that out, uh, they probably still will be able to score some points as twisted of a way and as jarring as it might be, you know, converting to the hoop and in transition and just getting the free throw line and such and letting Jimmy and D-Wade do what they do. They should still score points, but this defense has been a leaky faucet in the preseason. Uh, What can he do defensively? I mean, if you put him... Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson out there at the same time in a unit. You know, maybe you have the the foundation for a better defensive rotational unit, uh, just kind of a five man group that you can play at times. Yeah, I think he's going to help them on that end. He's you know obviously his length is there. Fred Hoiberg has praised uh, 
uh, Isaiah Cannon's defense, but he's but with Cannon, it's more just he puts in a lot of effort and gets some steals. He's not really a, actually a good defender. Carter Williams actually has length and can bother guys. I you know I think he's going to help them on the defensive end more than any of the other uh, back point guard options are. Rondo used to be a great defender, but he hasn't really put in consistent effort on that end since the knee injury a few years ago in Boston. And then Dinwiddie, I think, has looked the best out of their point guard options so far running the point behind Rondo. Jaron Grant hasn't really done much of anything. Denzel looked pretty good offensively, but he definitely has some defensive question marks. So I think Carter Williams brings a dimension to the backup point guard battle that they didn't really have before, which is somebody who can really lock down the defensive end on that position. But I just wonder if his offensive shortcomings are going to be too much for that to be a plus. Yeah, and we should point out this is basically a one-year flyer on Michael Carter-Williams. There's no long-term risk to this deal whatsoever. They can let him walk, I'm assuming. He hasn't signed an extension or anything, so his rookie contract here uh, will be expiring at year's end. He can be restricted, so they're, like I said earlier, he can be restricted, so if he plays yeah. well, they can match any offer he gets. Um, exactly. So they have basically a year to see if he fits, to see if he improves, to see if that three-point shot improves. Uh, so again, a low-risk, low-reward deal. Um, probably the only thing that was lower-risk and lower-reward was the Spencer Dinwiddie for Cam Bearstown. Bearstown flop back in June. Or well, flop. I can kind of see actually how they talk the Bucks into this because the Bucks have just been so desperate for a wing ever since the Chris Middleton injury that's probably going to shut him down for the whole season. It's at least six months, but I would imagine he's probably out the whole year. But they traded for Michael Beasley as kind of your stopgap. And Michael Beasley is not what you want to count on. And Tony Snell, as much as he's not good. Like, you can still talk yourself into, well, you know, he's got length, he can be a defender, you know, maybe he's going to be a consistent three-point. You could, like, like there are parts of Tony Snell's game that, if you're being really optimistic, you can talk yourself into. He's just never done it on a consistent basis whatsoever yeah. during his career. And we should point out, too, I mean, a change of scenery is what the Bulls are hoping helps Michael Carter-Williams. The Bucks are doing the same for Tony Snell. And by the way, Tony Snell's a good kid. He works hard. He's yeah. got a good attitude. Uh, he, you know, his teammates like him. He's a quiet guy. He doesn't talk much. We've never really talked to him much. But he's, you know, the, you know, I, I, he's, I like him on a personal level. I hope he is successful in Milwaukee. I just want to say that. Yeah, and I think, you know, he, he's been a little, he's skinny. Right. his size. And so he so gets he pushed around by bigger he weight. He hasn't handled physicality as well uh, in the NBA as he needs to. Maybe there's a role uh, in Milwaukee where that isn't such a thing. Uh, or isn't such a focus for him. I mean, the Bulls were trotting him out there against LeBron sometimes. Like, you know, like Jimmy's out this guy. I remember the start of the 2014-15 season, I believe, LeBron's first in Cleveland. Jimmy was out that opening night game, and, like, didn't Tony Snell have to chase LeBron around? Um, so, I mean, it, didn't go, well. it t- didn't go well. <laughs> the, the, he got some tough defensive assignments, um, and he also, you know, he underwhelmed a lot of the time just by way of production. So maybe it, seen it changes scenery, helps him out. I don't know exactly what role he'll fill for them off the top of my head other than just being a bench guy, maybe like a ninth man or something um, for some defensive minutes. But uh, we are thankful for an impending trade, which by the time you listen to this, maybe it does go through officially or whatnot um, because there hasn't been much else going on with the Bulls. Basically, everyone who didn't play Dwayne Wade, uh, Rajon Rondo, Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson did not play Saturday night for rest reasons. Jimmy and Dwayne Wade did not travel. Uh, Rondo 
did travel, sat on the bench the whole game. Taj Gibson, I believe, traveled and then returned to Chicago earlier in the evening, didn't stay for the game because he was just getting a little bit of treatment on stiffness because he just bangs bodies all the time. But Dwayne Wade spent the evening. Just to let you know how important these preseason games are, you know they're, uh, there's way too many. When, Dwayne Wade, when the Cavs are, are not sending anyone on Friday night, the Cavs didn't send their top nine players the to Cavs, play. Literally every player you've heard of on the Cavaliers did not even make the trip to Chicago last night. They had to stay back, A, to watch the Indians game, B, to help J.R. Smith celebrate his new extension and his new baby. So congratulations to him and his family on that. Yeah, and it did. And I'll get back to this Dwayne Wade point shortly, but it did uh, lead to, on Friday night, a little bit of a testy pregame media exchange between Hall of Fame writer... Uh, Bulls.com writer, former Trib Jordan extraordinaire, Rules Jordan Rules author Sam Smith, asking Ty Lue, the Cavs coach, uh, what his justification was for not playing his top nine players. And Ty Lue took a little, uh, uh, he was a little offended by the use of the word justification. So Sam had to repeat himself several times. Yes, justification is what I asked. Lou acted clueless. Sam followed up with no fewer than six, seven, or eight questions about the Cavs leaving all their players home. Uh, supporting the NBA fans, Sam was, who were paying money to watch a game that was truly awful. And Sam's an OG, so the PR guy wasn't going to come in and shut it down. Yeah, there was there was <laughs> nothing they could do except let Ty Lue mumble a few things. And what classic Sam, I love this. Sam referenced Kobe, who Ty Lue played with, and is, I mean, an all-time you know, Hall of Fame competitor as well as player. Right. Uh, Sam referencing, what would Kobe think about this? Or would would that have ever happened under Kobe's watch in the preseason? And, like, Ty Lue was just like, he's like, oh, man, he's kind of got me on that one. He's like, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know what Kobe thought or did back then. So Sam kind of won that exchange in the end, although Ty Lue uh, does have a championship ring uh, last year for the Cavs, and he, he managed to stay out of the headlines is what he probably <laughs> wanted from that. Um, truly awful game, though. Dwayne Wade didn't. Uh, I don't think found the Bulls game that entertaining either because he was sending Snapchats uh, walking his dogs with his wife, Gabrielle Union. Uh, After spending the afternoon watching Nebraska football, he's all in on the Cornhuskers, who I believe are now... That's where Gabby went to school. That's why they're such big fans Uh, of that. So I believe they're undefeated in top 10 now. So Dwayne Wade was all about watching college football and walking the dogs on on a Saturday in which the Bulls played. I'm sure he probably caught it and stayed up to date later in the evening. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy, Dwayne, rest, the Bulls, they're just kind of winding the preseason down, too. I think everyone is supposed to play probably Monday night or be available a little bit. That's what Fred said uh, at shoot-around yesterday, is that the last two preseason games, they're going to try to play guys close to what their actual minutes are going to be in the rotation. Tonight, they just kind of started Paul Zipser and Chris Felicio and Bobby Portis and just kind of wanted to... And Jaron Grant, I believe, started, too. I wasn't watching it super closely. <laughs> I'm going to just be brutally honest with you, but they just kind of wanted to see what they have in those guys with all their main guys resting on a back-to-back, which, by the way, I have no idea who who decided it was a good idea to have almost a week off between preseason games and then have a back-to-back in the preseason. Like, that just doesn't really make I think a, a computer sense. decided that. Should That's I, probably right. A, a scheduling algorithm came up with that, and someone in the league office hit OK or Enter on the computer. But, oh, one note we should point out, uh, Fred Hoiberg, regarding staggering minutes for Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. did say on Saturday he likes the idea of Dwayne Wade finishing quarters yeah. and Dwayne Wade 
uh, spoke very highly of getting that mid-quarter break. He says he like he says he's never really in a rhythm the first two or three minutes of a game, and then he kind of goes pretty hard, and he, he likes going five or six minutes, getting his legs under him, getting a breather, and then coming back and finishing off the quarter. So it kind of sounds like right now you might see Dwayne Wade sitting in the middle of the first and second and third quarters maybe, and then coming back, finishing those quarters off. Fourth quarter, you never know, depending on game circumstance, matchup, if he'll have to go longer or whatnot. But D-Wade seemed to like that. Uh, That way you can stagger a few minutes too, maybe leave him in early in the second quarter while Jimmy plays 12 minutes in the first quarter, Jimmy to the bench to start the second quarter. And then, I mean, you're through most of the first half, I think, at that point with Jimmy and D-Wade on the court, one of them at all times. That would seem to make sense. That seems like the formula right now, for lack of a better word. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to relay the people news-wise from Friday or Saturday. So, two things. Uh, Joakim Noah made mm-hmm. his Knicks debut uh, tonight against the Celtics. He had sat out their first few preseason games with a hamstring issue. He played, caught the first quarter. I thought he looked fine. He looked like he was moving well. Uh, I saw some tweets or later from some of the Knicks beat writers saying that uh, he was setting up the offense well. He was passing, which obviously is something we know. They're loving the high post backdoor passes yeah, which from is, Joe to Nick's Cutter X. I didn't know that was part of the Corey triangle. Lee, maybe I don't know, but uh, we, you know, that's that's something we've known as a strength of his game. But you know, he looked he looked fine. He looked like he was moving well. I hope he can stay healthy this year. We obviously are. We obviously love Joe. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. He was great to cover for his years in Chicago. We wish him the best. Uh, he should pass the ball to Kristaps Porzingis. Oh my god, Porzingis is so good. Like, Porzingis is unbelievable. I think Joe's role by season's end might get uh, whittled down a little bit because Porzingis will get center minutes. Mm -hmm. Melo gets more minutes at power forward. And the Knicks have maybe more shooting on the court and less triangulation. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Here's a a fun speculative topic I want to know if you have any thoughts on. We'll find this out in a couple of days once the trade is finalized. What number is Michael Carter Williams going to wear was for he the Bulls? Team before? No. What was he before? He was so in Milwaukee. He was number five, which Bobby Portis wears now. Okay. So he's not going to be that. But both at Syracuse and with the Sixers, he was number one, mm. which is currently worn by Benny the Bull. So there's going to be a conflict. Well, that was also worn by someone else recently. Derek Rose, which... of course. Uh, no, I think I think he'll wade into new territory on the old number chart. I don't. I mean, maybe maybe they like. I remember when the like the season after the Magic uh, traded Dwight Howard to the Lakers. Like in the middle of the next year, they traded for Tobias Harris from the Bucks and gave him number twelve. And like that's shade. It is shade. shade. It is very much shade. Um, but like, I don't. So I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what number uh, MCW is going to wear. That's going to be kind of fun to see. I mean, they gave Rondo Luol Deng's number. Yeah, but like Rondo's a veteran. Like he earned it. Like everything the Bulls did in signing Rondo and getting him going. Now, and we should point out the fact that Rondo traveled with the Bulls to Milwaukee. Knowing full well, basically, they were about 99.9% sure he late Friday play. night that he wasn't going to play Saturday. Uh, the fact that he went, like, he didn't have to. If Rondo went to Hoiberg 
or anyone in the Bulls front office and was just like, yeah, can I stay home like Jimmy and D-Wade are, they would have been, sure, you know, you're not playing. But Rondo wants to be around these guys. Like, he is he, he is setting a leadership tone. This summer in Las Vegas, he went out to Summer League and sat on the bench and talked to guys during timeouts during their Summer League games. Yeah, so, like, I mean, he's practicing what he's preaching. He is living up to the things the Bulls said when acquiring him they hoped to see from him. And, I mean, it's it's not an act. Like, he again, he didn't have to go to Milwaukee. He's a 30-year-old NBA champion um, with, with a veteran presence and, and some of that, you know, just basketball equity. He didn't have to go. He did. Not a huge deal. I don't think this is, you know, totally affecting the season. But the Hoiberg-Rondo relationship, the the do we have Rondo's, you know, just head under control and personality under control? Hoiberg, it's Rondo completely meter. under control now. And something interesting, this was relayed by Casey Johnson of the Tribune, who did make the trip to Milwaukee, unlike either of us tonight, that Hoiberg said that Rick Carlisle, who Rondo famously clashed with when he was in Dallas a couple of years ago, called him when they signed him and told Hoiberg that he has the perfect personality to deal which, with Rondo, which is a little bit of shade. Yeah, you know, I... He means it in the way of when Rondo blows up and starts yelling, Hoiberg can let him blow up and start yelling and not yell back at him, let the moment pass, probably talk like adults, rather than two alpha personalities clashing on the spot and leading to a bigger problem or micromanaging leading to a bigger problem. Because we know Fred wants his uh, basketball team to have a lot of freedom on the floor. He wants them to be adults off the floor, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's all they're asking for. That's what Rondo's been so far. Uh, he did have a lot of turnovers on Friday night, quite a few early in the preseason. I think the key right now, Fred Hoiberg is stressing, uh, he wants Rondo to be his great basketball instinctive self, but the only catch is he wants him to make the simpler play a little more often. And, you know, that's the catch-22, trying to do both of those at the same time. So... Uh, that'll be worth watching. I believe we'll have an episode for you Monday night after the Bulls host the Hornets, I believe. Yeah, so. the Hornets. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Cody Westerlin. You can follow Sean, at Hyken. Follow Locked on Bulls, at Locked on Bulls on Twitter. Email us, at Locked on Bulls at gmail.com. With any basketball questions, advertising, inquiries, always welcome and most of all, subscribe. That's right. You can find us on iTunes. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on there. You can also find us on Stitcher, Audio Boom, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, anywhere you can find podcasts. Make sure you check out some of the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, Locked On Bears with Arthur Arkush. The Bears season is not going great, but he's got the inside scoop for you. If you're a Bears fan, you should check that out. You should check out Locked On NBA, Locked On NFL, uh, all of those. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic to read my work uh, covering the Bulls. I will have some analysis up of the Michael Carter-Williams-Tony Snell trade. I know that's going to be must-read for you guys, but you know if you're a Cubs fan, you're going to want to read what John Greenberg and Sahad of Sharma are writing from the NLCS. So you're going to want to subscribe to us either way. And then check out 670thescore.com to read Cody's work, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Take it easy. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. 
Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.